I want to share with you this morning about vision. Thank you for being here this morning, for giving us this opportunity to speak in your life. If you have your Bible with you, go ahead and grab it. Say this with me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I'm going to be what it says I can be. It was written for me, for my correction, direction, and soon coming resurrection. Oh, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So the vision statement of the Well Family Worship Center, as we start off here in January, is so important for you because I want you to be able to, to catch it. I want you to be able to have it, to know it. But the vision statement is this, advancing the kingdom of God by being passionate for God and compassionate towards man. Now, even already this morning, you've heard a good dose of that. You have seen passion for God in this worship. You've seen people pressing in, pushing into God. You've heard people going out and being evangelistic. There's no greater compassion than winning a soul. You've heard that we need to take it out and, and reach the, uh, the, the, the people of the community and love the children and help educate them. Friends, listen to me. When we plant a community in the community, it's to help. We are not opposing or competing with anybody else. We are here helping the better cause to advance the kingdom of God is our track, is our lane. Amen? That's what we're here to do. We're not here to slam somebody else, to compete against somebody else, but to advance and do what God has called us to do. And that is being compassionate towards people, loving people. It's simple. Really what it boils down to is this. Love God and love others. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all your strength, and to love others as you love yourself, and to, to give that advantage... To advance means advantage. To give that advantage. When Moses was fighting against the Amalekites and Aaron and Hur were with them, every time his hands were lifted in the air, you need to get this one in you. Every time his hands were lifted, the children of Israel advanced. What that means is they had the advantage. There was winning praise to God gives us favor on earth. Amen. And so when they're holding up his hands and coming in, and you know, I, I mean, I got texts all week long from people in the church saying, I love our church. Our church is so loving, so caring. They called, they did this, they did that. And maybe, maybe you need that touch in your life. But what was happening is people were lifting up other people's hands. And it was giving them the advantage. Sickness wasn't winning. Discouragement wasn't defeating. They were winning the battle by faith because our hands were lifted. But that gives us the advantage. Advantage. Every time his hands were down, the enemy impeded. The enemy moved and penetrated into the people of God. Friends, we want the advantage. And you know what? We have it. And we need to share it. We need to advance it. We need to spread it into other people's lives. Habakkuk chapter 2, picking up in verse 1, literally reads as such, I will stand my watch. I declare before you today, I will stand my watch. And I will set my part on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me. That is my role. That is my responsibility as a minister, as a watchman, as a shepherd, as a prophetic mouthpiece to the church and to the people of God and into this region is for me to stand my watch, to be steadfast, to look out. My number one responsibility is to hear what God is saying to us, to hear him. And, I, and what I will answer when I'm corrected, we're not always perfect. We may not always be right. But we can trust that this word was written for our direction and our correction. Amen? He says, therefore, the Lord answered, said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. 
that he may run who reads it. This morning, I'm not as much giving you something to read. I'm giving you something to write down yourself, to put it on your own tablets, to put it on your own iPad and on your own notes and start writing down key aspects of the vision of this church so you can read it and you can run with it. You can be a part of what God is doing. He's moving a church, not just a person. You notice we've been here for over 15 years. We're not looking for another church to go pastor. We're not looking to elevate to a better city or to go to a nicer church. I am absolutely done with that mindset that has been in the church for so long, especially in your denominational influences, where they just go to one church to get to another church, to get to another church. Friends, we're in a city. We're not just in a city. We're in a region. God has given us a territory. I'm telling you, he has shifted and changed my life drastically. I'm not flying as much as I used to fly. I'm driving more. I'm home at night, and we're touching the community. I laid my hand on a map today, and the five fold hand laying on that map in my prayer time. It touched up to Nashville. It touched Chattanooga. It caught Piedmont over here. It got Florence over here and Decatur right there and Coleman down here. I said, my God, my God. He said, that's right, son. I put you in a region. I'm putting your church in a region and we're going to touch the region and we're going to release the power of God, the glory of God, the goodness of God, the apostolic, the prophetic, evangelize it. We're going to shepherd it and we're going to teach it what it needs to know. Amen? He said, write the vision. Make it plain unto death that he who, he who reads it can run with it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. You're not coming in too late. There's things that haven't come to pass yet. You could be a mighty part of us getting out of those offices and getting into these offices so that the next generation could start coming through that building and start getting educated out there and we can start raising up a Holy Ghost generation. We can start raising up a generation that is blessed with the knowledge of God, not just the knowledge of textbooks. That they will know the scriptures as well as they know the mathematics and as well as they know the literature. That they will be anointed and appointed and listen to me, what we win, they'll take further. Amen? He said, but the end, he said, the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. It will speak for itself. I can say it and say it and say it, but when it comes to pass, it will speak for itself and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely, it will surely come. It will not tarry. This is my intention. It's my goal this morning that you know the vision and that you're able to run with it. So you can say it as well as I can say it. You can feel it like I feel it. The vision is not a human strategy, but a kingdom plan. Now, I, don't want to, I don't want to discredit or disregard the word strategy. But I've heard for years, you know, our strategy is, is, is this, that, and the other thing. And, and it's the, the plans of man. This is what man wants to do. There's always been a kingdom plan. And there are kingdom strategies that are not given or, or confined to man or orchestrated by man, but by God. And I want to share with you seven aspects of a kingdom plan. Remember, advancing the kingdom of God. Our goal is not to advance the well and, and, and our spread. The goal is not to, uh, to say, where can we get a well everywhere? Friends, I was in a very important meeting, and I heard of a church movement that was losing two churches a month to marital problems. The primary marital problem in church 
is that the church becomes the mistress. The preacher gets involved too much with the church and neglects his wife or his children. I'm tired of seeing that kind of stuff. We're not raising up those kind of ministers. Amen? So what is a kingdom? Properly, kingdom, the realm in which a king sovereignly rules. So it's a territory. It's a region. It's a realm in which the king, it's a king's domain. It's where a king has dominion. He's sovereign. We will never mess with the sovereignty of God. I want to declare loud and clear that Jesus is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the head of his house, the church. Unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor are laboring in vain. We are not doing anything but what he's saying to do. Those offices have sat over there for months. They are part of the reason that we were able to acquire the whole plaza. The suffering we experienced there brought about the glory of us to have the whole property. It just works that way. I don't have time to explain all of that to you, but I'm here to tell you, he has said, he has declared it is time to move in this direction. The need is there, and you're here to meet that need. But we take our orders from above. Amen? He's the king. This is his house. Matthew chapter 11. It reads as such from the New King James Version. It says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Hard to comprehend in that terminology, but let's go to the New Living Translation, and it translates as such. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and violent people are attacking it. Okay, you need to understand, friends, we're in the middle of a warfare. This is not just going to be an easy, breezy walk in the park. Let's just go do it, and we got all the money, and we can do whatever we want to do. If there's not something attacking you, it's probably not of God. It says in the Bible, if you're preaching, and if you're moving the kingdom, you're going to be violently attacked. Shut it down. You can't sing. You can't do this, and you can't do that. And friends, we're not getting it as harsh as other places, but it's getting very harsh against the church right now. That's good news. That means the church somewhere is preaching the gospel to someone. And what needs to be preached is the kingdom of God. Amen? Tell you you can't go to nations. Tell you you can't come here and you can't do that. I've got good news for you. The end of this sermon tells you that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the nation. That doesn't mean we have to do it, but we can help it get done wherever it's at. <clears throat> so what is the kingdom of God? Since Genesis chapter 11, man's been trying to build his own sandcastles. Trying to get to heaven however he wants to get to heaven. Matter of fact, if you took time to study religion, if you took time to study Christianity, if you took time to study modern Christianity, you'll find that there's a lot of significant differences in different uh, uh, teachings and preachings and, and, and uh, philosophies of ministry. Matter of fact, there's universalism. Everybody can go to heaven. Jesus is not the only way. That is not what the Bible teaches. It's not, so there's some saying that's already predestined. You're going to hell and you're going to heaven. I don't mess with the sovereignty of God. What he knows, he knows. But what I know about him, he's not willing that any would perish, but that every man would come to repentance. See, there's another theology there. You can skip over repentance and come straight into salvation. It doesn't work that way. 
That's not the kingdom of God. And friends, we want the kingdom of God. Our, our vision is to advance the kingdom of God. So what is the kingdom of God? Let's take a little look. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but through that door, Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 5. And when John had heard, John the Baptist, when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ. Now, don't get too scary about that and don't be too uh, 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 unattended to that. Because there's coming a day again that people are going to be put in prison for preaching the gospel. It's happening in Canada. It's happening in other places around the world. But I'm here to tell you. This is people who are preaching the gospel that will be violently attacked, who are moving the kingdom of God. And when John heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Now, John is in a very dark situation. John is in a very lonely situation. John is in a prison cell. John is, is not too far away from being beheaded. You, you think it looks bad, and be careful, it, it, it can get worse. Are you with me? Uh, it, it, times can become very perilous. He's, he's just moments away from having his head cut off. But he's still looking for Jesus. He's still looking for the coming one. He's still looking for what is to come. Listen to me, church. You must stand with me. You must be in agreement in this kingdom time. We need to be looking for what is coming. We need to be looking for what Jesus is still going to accomplish and still going to do and still going to fulfill. We cannot take our eyes off of being seekers and searchers for the fulfillment of the king of the kingdom. Don't look just for the results. Look for the king of the kingdom. Jesus answered and said to them, you go tell John these things which you hear and see. The kingdom of God is aligned by, it is connected through seeing and hearing, seeing and hearing. He said, you go tell him what you hear and what you see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. What he in essence referenced to him was the initiation of Jesus' purpose of ministry of Luke chapter 4, and when he declared, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Isaiah prophesied it, not just in 61, he prophesied in 29, he prophesied in 37. He said, there's one coming who's going to open blind eyes, who's going to open deaf ears. He's going to make the lame walk. He's going to cause the dead to rise, and the gospel will be preached, and he'll proclaim liberty to those that are in bondage. He'll declare hope and possibility for those who are hopeless and those who seem to have no opportunity. He will bring the opening of prison doors, and he will set captives free. Friends, that's the ministry of the kingdom of God. That's the effects of the kingdom of God. He said, you see it, you hear it, it's happening. You go tell them the coming one has come. He's here. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. When you're doing right, when you have peace, and you have joy, strength of the Lord, the gladness of God, you'll know that you're in the kingdom. It's a good indicator to know where you are. So what are seven strategic aspects of the kingdom of God? Number one, 
repentance. Repentance. Oh, you can't just walk into any old church and hear just a little bit of everybody preaching a little bit about repentance or any at all. There's not much mentioned about repentance. We just go straight to salvation. And then he'll work all those things out. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days, those days, or now these days. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what is John doing? <clears throat> He's advancing the kingdom. He's, he's spreading the gospel. He's speaking the good news. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. John was the voice of one in the wilderness. Jesus is the word of God. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, and listen, don't leave out of the equation of Jesus, the preacher. Jesus was a preacher, not just a teacher, not just a friend. He had a message to pronounce. He had news to herald. Listen to me, friends. If we really have Jesus in our lives, somewhere in that package deal is a preach. No, no, no. No, I've got Jesus in me. Well, the Jesus in the Bible had preaching in him. And if Jesus is in us, you're, you're not excluded from preaching. I'm not talking about pulpit ministry. I'm talking about declaring, declaring, declarating that the kingdom is at hand. So there must be repentance. For you and I to advance, we must preach repentance. For you and I to be included, involved, we must have repented. Repentance is not just a mention, it's a lifestyle. We should continually live walking away from the world and towards eternity with Christ. I told my family in a family devotion the other day, I said, listen, if we're not excited about the return of Jesus, if we're not earnestly expecting it, if we're not awaiting, if there's something here that we don't want him to come because there's something here we want to do, we think it might be better, whether that's getting married, whether that's having children, I know you say that's easy for you to say, listen to me, it ain't easy. Marriage ain't easy, and raising children ain't easy. It ain't all easy. But the reality is, if there's something you want to do here, more that you think, more than you desire that, you're not ready for that. Throughout the Bible, it tells us to excitedly, expectantly, to look for the coming, the great and great and glorious day of Jesus Christ. And if we're not thinking that way, we're not preparing for that. We're not advancing the kingdom. We're building our empire. If all we're doing is inviting people to church, but we're not somehow inviting them to heaven, we're not inviting them to the benefits that come in the kingdom of God, we're, we're building a religion not giving them a relationship. Number two, prayer life. Kingdom of God is connected to your prayer life. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus taught us how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. 
It's activated, connected, associated, and aligned with your prayer life. You need to start praying for the advancing of the kingdom of God. You need to start praying for the appearing of the kingdom of God. You need to start praying that whatever the kingdom of God is, is what you do. It, it, it will come, and it has come, but it doesn't always get done, but by those who are willing to do his will. You need to understand something. You and I, we need to let other people understand. He who does the will of God abides forever. What might that say of he who does not do the will of God? Uh, hold your finger where you are and go with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. Kind of off the course here just a little bit. But we, we need to establish a few things. We need to understand the word of God. Listen, we, we, it's a king's domain. It's his way, not our way. We can't come up with some theology and some philosophy that, that can make it some other way. That's not kingdom. That's that sandcastle empire building your tower of Babel. Your words, if you're not speaking and preaching the kingdom of God, your words are nothing but babbling. Vain, idle words that, that will have no eternal effect whatsoever. Are you with me this morning? Not just here, but with me. Second Peter. He starts dealing with the fruitful growth. He starts dealing with destructive doctrines and false teachers and deceptive false teachers and depravity of false teachers, false prophets. Oh, let's go over into verse 14 of chapter 3. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot or blameless. Have you been diligent to make sure there aren't any spots on your wedding garment? Are you diligent to realize there's no blame in you? There's not a fault in you. You're forgiven of such things, and you're not even blaming others through the proverb of sour grapes. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Man, when we were singing this morning about his mercy, winning the battle, and about his goodness and saving and resting, I looked back at it a few times. I thought, my goodness, I wasn't right at that time. But he picked me up, turned me around. Place my feet on some solid ground. Hallelujah. Amen. As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him as written to you, as also in all epistles, speaking, listen, as also in all his epistles, 13 books Paul wrote, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people, Untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of scriptures. Twist them. You can make the word of God out to be whatever you want to be, but it will only end up to be what he meant it to be. We need to know the truth. You therefore, beloved, since you know this before him, beware lest you also, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness being led away with error of the wicked. If you're still wrapped up with that once saved, always saved, I said it, I get it. That ain't no better than a blab it and grab it. It ain't going to work for you. This is a lifestyle. It's a process. And listen, since the kingdom, since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom has been advancing and the forceful, the violent are going to attack it. Why would they attack it if there wasn't the possibility to defeat it? You don't want to fall away. You don't want to drift away. I know of preachers who, who have preached the gospel and twisted the doctrine around to universalism. Jesus is not the only way. 
No, Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the truth. And through him and only through him can you have life. Amen? That's that religion that we have to break. All right, let me finish this up. Where are we at? Prayer life. Priority. The kingdom of God requires prioritizing. The kingdom of God requires prioritizing. I asked the Lord in the beginning of our fast, I said, Lord, I need, I, I, what do you want me to establish? He said, order. I want order and organization in your life. I said, all right, take me there. Anything that's out of order, anything that's not right, anything that's cluttered, anything that's, that's, that's clouded. And I said, Lord, the other day I said, what is the order for my life? As a minister of the gospel, what is the order? He said, seek, study, and serve. I said, that's it. He said, that's it. That's it. Seek his kingdom. Seek his presence. Seek his heart. Seek his face. Seek his plan. Seek him. Ask, knock, seek. You can't seek until you've started asking and knocking. Don't you be satisfied. Most people are frustrated in their walk with God right now because all they've done is asked. They've never even taken the time to knock. Some have stopped at knocking because that door didn't open. Well, they didn't call me up there to prophesy over me. Well, they didn't call me up there to give my testimony. Seek. Seek. Perhaps you weren't ready. Perhaps I wasn't ready for that door or this opportunity. He knows when to open it. And if he can open it and you can't, and he doesn't, it's not time. Don't get mad at God. Find out what's going on there. Seek study. Study the word of God to show yourself approved. Right, rightly dividing the word of God, the word of truth. Rightly dividing it. For the lack of knowledge, some are destroyed. Knowing his precepts, knowing his law, knowing what a first fruit is. It can radically, literally change your life. Change your life. All those scriptures says, and the manner that you sow, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. You sow generously, you're going to reap generously. That's just bottom line. Yeah, but it didn't happen that, that I needed it that day. <laughs> no, most likely if you needed that day, he would have gotten it to you. I'll stop there. Priorities, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things to be added to him. Now, I understand there's a practice here. There's a principle. And where we normally just in in uh, 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 immature way, we just kind of hold that scripture. I got to have my Bible time first in the morning. I agree, 100%. But you ought to seek him first in any decision you make. Hey, can I go do this? Let me seek God. Let me, is that, no, that would be out of the realm. Territories, if you're outside of the kingdom will, if you're out of bounds, you're more threat. There's a greater threat over your life by the enemy if you're not in the will and the confinements of God. You ought to seek God. Listen, you look at her and she looks good. You better turn your eyes to Jesus. Because even good things can turn bad. Come on. L listen to me, young ones. Honor thy father and thy mother. 
And you'll have long life on this earth. Long life. Number four, expectation. What can you expect in the kingdom of God? We ought to have expectations. We ought to know what to expect. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 through 24. And Jesus went about all of Scottsboro, excuse me, Galilee, <laughs> teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Assyria, broke barriers, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. The kingdom of God has effects. The kingdom of God, you can expect results. You can, re- you can expect the supernatural. Remember Jesus said, you'll do the same works. If you believe, you'll do the same works. Matter of fact, Jesus' commission to us, his commission was to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature, teaching them to be obedient to the commandments, teaching them, but then going on to heal them, to raise the dead, to heal the sick, to cast out devils. That's the gospel. If that's not happening, are we really in the kingdom? Being in the church... It's not suffice to being in the kingdom. Kingdom has effects. I'm grateful to say we see people healed. I'm grateful to say we see people set free from demonic torment. I'm thankful to say that we say, but listen to me. I'm here to tell you there's a shift in the kingdom of God. No, no. There's a shift in the kingdom of God. He's pressed the clutch. He's pressing on the pedal. He's shifting and moving into another gear. Whether it's more powerful or more accelerated or more smoothing, it's going to be advancing nevertheless. We are not going to be stuck where we've been. We're going to another level of church. It's just the gospel truth of the kingdom of God. So an expectation, you can be expecting that. You ought to tell you people when you talk a lot about, you know, God can heal you. God can set you free. God can take that torment off of you. Number five, this is very important. The kingdom of God is not mere talk. Yakety yak. So, 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 and just saying things. For the kingdom of God, 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. There's power. You know what it's like to hear words that have no power. You know what it's like to see clouds that have no rain. No, it, 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 listen to this. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with the excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testament of God. The worst thing, it happened to me last night. I don't like it at all. People will say, they're going to say, oh, my goodness, she's a great preacher. I am not a great preacher. That is not what I know myself for. That is not what I feel. I've heard people who can preach great. And I've heard great messages preached. But the reality is, I don't want it confined to me. I don't want it confined to you. I don't want you to be able to correctly lay it out and have it so good. Friends, spontaneity, power, activity, the move of God, the word of God that has free course in our life just to shift and move, to interrupt your worship time and to acknowledge and activate and declare things prophetic. Friends, that's not eloquence. That's movement. Kingdom of God is advancing. 
Paul said, I didn't come with excellence of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. What was he declaring? He was declaring the testimony of God. What he was declaring is God's going to do it again. That's all Paul was saying. He said, look, guys, I've studied it. I learned it. I believe it now. I've experienced it. And I'm here to tell you what he's done in my life, he can do again. He can turn you upside down, turn you around, pick you up, lift you up, take you out. He can fill you up. He can anoint you. He can open. He can do all things. And he's going to do it again. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The life of Jesus and the death of Jesus. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not persuasive words of human wisdom. I'm here to tell you. I've grown very weary and a good bit leery of how these preachers have studied out how can I say it differently than the Bible says it. How can I say it to where people go, ooh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's incredible. Now, I don't think we need to meddle with the gospel as much as we've meddled with it. I'm tired of little sayings that just rile you up but don't perform anything. He said, I didn't come with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Friends, I would want us to be known for that. The power of God. It's not just talk. Evangelism. Matthew chapter 13. Let me just describe and declare the kingdom of heaven to you. Just give me just a few more minutes. I told you there's seven of them. They told me not to throw this. I wouldn't even know how to do it anyway. Andrew, you might have to help me if I do it. But anyway, you sling this thing out to catch what? Fish. Watch this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea, gathered some of every kind, threw it out there, got him a little white fish, got him a little black fish, got him a little bit of brown fish, got him some red fish, got him some snapper and grouper too. We got to learn to cast the net. I feel like I'm called to a certain people group. Baloney. Every creature. Every living being. And if that's all they have in that territory, that's fine. Reach them, but do not eliminate and do not disrespect anybody else. We're here to catch fish. We're here to drag the net and to get one of every, some of every kind, which when it is full, don't you be satisfied because you led somebody to the Lord three years ago and now they're leading more people than you. Do not bank on that whatsoever. Is your net full? What does our net look like? It's our reach, and it's these seats. You know, I never saw that in the word seat before. Eat. There's loaves out there that need to be in here to help feed us. There's people that have gifts and talents and abilities out there that are lost as a ball in high weeds who need to get radically saved. They're in the depths of the sea, and we need to cast out our net and bring them in here, and they're going to become somebody to us and in us and with us. Amen? He said, they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw away the bad. Not everything you catch is going to stick. Amen? But go throw your net. Matthew 24. Verse 14, 
This is at the very end of Jesus describing to them and declaring to them and informing them and letting them know, letting us know that, hey, listen, there's going to be famines, there's going to be pestilence, there's going to be earthquakes. I got news for you, friends. I know you've heard this before, but I've come to find out after 30-some years of doing this and 15 years of doing discipleship schools that they might hear it five times and never get it till the sixth or seventh time. Matter of fact, on time one, two, and three, they don't hear it at all. Time four, five, and six, they say it wrong. They tell my stories different than I told them. I'm like, that is not how it happened. Oh, yeah, it is. No, it's not. I was there. So I'm going to say it to you again. The end times have come upon us. Jesus said, there'll be famines. There'll be pestilence. There'll be earthquakes in various places. There's some things we're praying against we can't stop. We cannot stop what Jesus prophesied. We have got to learn how to live in them and through them because they did endure. Listen to me. I know it's grievous right now. I know it's grievous. I know it's grievous to lose somebody that you love. I miss my dad. I miss him. I know it's grievous to have neighbors dying, friends dying. We have dear friends that are going through severe things up in, in, in Tennessee. People are dying and people are grieving. People are getting frustrated. People don't know what to do. Listen to me. These are just the beginning of sorrows. There is a lot of death taking place right now. Sometimes unnecessary death. But God's spared life too, isn't he? He's not done doing what he does. But listen to me. In Revelation chapter 7, the revealing of the seals and the horses, that fourth seal, when he releases that pale horse, one over one-fourth of population will die. If we can't take what we're going through now, we sure enough aren't ready for those times. What starts to happen? What Jesus said, the love of many starts to grow cold. How to love a God anymore? How can he let people die so they can get to heaven? So they can stand up for what they really believe. You know, that's going to be your greatest moment. Man, he never let me preach in the pulpit. Don't worry. You get to stand before God. And make your case for the judgment seat. Whether you're going to go to heaven, you're going to go to hell. Amen? But all that's built down here. So we need to realize there's things going on in this world. Lawlessness. I told him last night, you can fight all you want about whether President Trump really won or they stole it. Do you think that God went... Do you think that God looked over and says, I'm going to go work this one out? No, you need to realize, aha, God told us there'd be lawlessness. I'm at peace. I didn't see it coming, but he did. Matter of fact, the prophetic world didn't do too good with 2020. Didn't do too good at all. I honestly believe that God is dismantling the mindset of national prophets. You don't need to be listening to somebody in some other city 
You live in a region. You live in a territory. Listen, even demons are territorial. And if we will spend more time in our territory working for what he's called us to work for, we'll defeat more and we'll dispossess more and we'll possess more. We will win more battles. I'm telling you, your sons and daughters will come home. Captives will be set free. Are you with me? But the reality is, is that Jesus knew all this stuff was going to happen. Therefore, we can have peace. He said, you're going to have this kind of stuff. So sometimes we're fighting against the one who is working with us that we're really trying to get to. We cannot stop. There's going to be sickness, friends. There's going to be plagues. There's going to be pestilences. I'm not saying that, is there a safe place? I'm sure there is. There's a safer place. I think people were wise to, to not come out today if they didn't feel comfortable. If you don't have a peace, you don't do something. If, if you want to vaccinate, that's your decision. You need to seek God. If you want to uh, do whatever it is that you need to do, that's fine. We're not here to judge you. We're not here to lord over you and to fear tactic you into something. But we sure enough shouldn't be afraid of what Jesus already said is coming. We've got to learn how to live through it. Because they that endure to the end, they who do not let their love grow cold. Listen to me. If you ever needed the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and if you ever needed the fire of God, it's now. You need the Spirit of God so you don't walk into the mall at the wrong time when that gunman's in there unless he sent you there to disarm him and to lead him and to deliver him and set him free. You better know where you're at when you're where you're at because if you're not where he's at, you're not covered with what he can cover you with. But you also need the fire of God so your love doesn't grow cold. If we ever needed to be lit on fire for Jesus, today's the day. You're going to see more services of things happening like what happened up here. We've gathered, we've sat, we've taught, we've trained. Now we're going to allow God just to move. Fire of God. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. We have a divine kingdom order and strategy to the end of all things. Preaching the gospel. The last one as you stand to your feet. Number seven. I know it took a little bit longer than normal. I hope that you're still with me. Just found, caught somebody going to the refrigerator at home. Sit down. No passivity. Not passive. Kingdom of God is not passive. Luke chapter 9, verse 61. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, Knowing having put, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Fit for the kingdom of God. No looking back. No shrinking back. He's persuaded. He is 100% persuaded better things for you and I. It's going to be better than. It's going to be better than I can dream. 
It's going to get better and better. If you're country enough, gooder and gooder. It's just going to get better, amen. Friends, we have greater days ahead of us. Better days ahead of us, amen. How many of y'all want to advance the kingdom of God? I want you to say this with me. Lord, I repent. I return everything to you that has come from you. I leave everything behind that is not meant for me. Lord, I engage in a prayer life. And I ask you for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in my life, just like you have it in heaven. Lord, I make you number one in all my decisions. I seek your counsel and I seek your face.